Nickelodeon fans, and welcome to This Week in Nickelodeon History. My name is Captain Eric, and we are covering all of the Nickelodeon shows that either started or ended between the times of November 28th to December 4th. Um, right here, we're starting at the end of the, the year 2021, almost coming to an end. It's crazy. I, I like There's experiences in 2020 that are still so fresh in my mind. And then coming to realize that 2021 is is about to come to an end, it's it's a little bit trippy. I don't know if I, I if because of of how weird last year was, it almost feels like we lost a year. And it, it you know I don't know. I feel like this new year feels a lot different than than almost any other one in my life, at least as far as I can remember. Maybe maybe the the year of 1999 going into 2000 with everyone freaking out about the millennium. Um, that, that might've been one for the ages, but, uh, yeah, so here we are. We are starting with a show that premiered two years ago on November 29th, 2019, Top Elf, a competition show in which children compete to show who's the top elf for Santa Claus. Um, I think this is going off of the idea, um, you know, because there's many different concepts of Santa, his workshop, the elves. Sometimes the, the elves are depicted as uh, little people and other times, like in the Santa Claus movies from Disney, they're, they're children. So this is going off that logic that, that I guess the elves are children. I mean, I, I haven't watched the show. Maybe there's also little people as well. But um, yeah, I, I it's been going on for two seasons. It was uh, it's directed by Michael Perlman. So, uh, I, hey, a Christmas-themed competition show, I'm absolutely behind that. That That's something that could be really cool. Uh, there's not many of them that I can think of uh, like that are holiday-themed. There should absolutely be more of them. Four years ago, on December 2nd, 2017, the TV movie Tiny Christmas premiered on Nickelodeon. The movie was directed by Jonathan A. Rosenbaum. Seven years ago, on November 28th, 2014, the TV movie Santa Hunters premiered on Nickelodeon, directed by Savage Steve Holland. I'm guessing that's his... I, wait. It's listing it as his legal name. Did, did he change his name to Savage? Is like Maybe he was Steve Holland and then changed his name to Savage Steve Holland? Wow. Incredible. I absolutely like love that name and his repertoire that he brings to the table is just we're, wow, we're going to be talking about him soon enough. Uh but anyway, yeah, we have another TV movie here about Christmas, The Santa Hunters. Uh I've never seen it. Most of these TV movies I have I have not seen at least the, the newer ones. Um if any of them are ever good, if you ever feel like one is is worth going out of my way to watch, just sound off in the comments or let me know. Uh, I, I I absolutely would would love to at least 
give you guys a chance to voice your opinions on some of these things, especially the ones I have not seen. But eight years ago, on November 29th, 2013, another TV movie, Jinxed, premiered on Nickelodeon, directed by Stephen Herrick. That sounds more like a Halloween-themed movie that's airing a bit later than expected. That's what I'm guessing. Something with jinxing. End of November seems a bit weird for that. That that probably at least early November if you if you don't want to be directly on Halloween. But as you can see, most of these movies are, are Christmas themed. And here we have Jinx. Maybe it is a Christmas themed movie. I have no idea. But you know it is a Christmas themed movie. Our next uh our next selection here, a movie that premiered nine years ago on November 29th, 2012. A Fairly Odd Christmas, also directed by Savage Steve Holland. And to give the man some credit here, he also ended up directing... the He directed the entire Fairly Odd trilogy. A Fairly Odd movie, Grope Timmy Turner, A Fairly Odd Christmas, and A Fairly Odd Summer. And you know what? I know we're, we're talking about A Fairly Odd Christmas here, but as far as the, the trilogy goes, as far as the collection of those movies, they're not bad. They're not, they're not bad. Like, there's, you could be negative all you want, but I'm just saying in the realm of uh, live action adaptations of cartoon characters, this, this has got to be in the, in the like not bad category. It just, it just, they just have to, they're not bad. Savage Steve Holland also directed both the big time movie and uh, Rufus movies, Rufus 1 and Rufus 2 for Nickelodeon. So he had a, a great success here directing all of these these TV movies for Nickelodeon and uh and I know a lot of people he also directed Shredderman Rules. Uh he did the one thing I I got to this would be interesting to talk with him about. He also did Legally Blondes, the third movie in the Legally Blonde series, one that's not starring Reese Witherspoon, although I guess it was co-produced by her. So, um, yeah, that, that's an interesting uh, career here. I mean, he was a writer for Keenan and Kel. He was the co-creator of Eek the Cat and also a writer for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. He also directed episodes of Phil the Future, Lizzie McGuire, Even Stevens, Zoe 101, Unfabulous, Ned's Declassified, School Survival Guide, Zeke and Luther, Big Time Rush. That's incredible. Incredible work. Uh, Savage Steve Holland, thank you. You're honorary on the uh, on the crew over here on the Ready Crew for all all the work you've done. Back to the Fairly Odd Christmas though. Um, I this is the one that I I remember the least out of the three movies because I don't know. I I think at least things in the first and third movie were at least memorable enough to warrant me to keep it in the back of my mind and there's really nothing I can honestly remember about Fairly Odd Christmas other than Mr. Crocker by the end kind of helping out and and being somewhat of a, a good guy um, That that's about it I mean the third movie I remember them bringing in Foop which was cool to see another CG character and and then getting to see Timmy Turner as as more of a cartoon by the end um, and then, in, you know, the whole first movie is has some a lot of memorable moments. But 
uh, you know, it's it's completely serviceable as a TV movie, as a Christmas movie. I would say it's it's if you got to have a bunch of movies on, if you're somebody like me who who during the holiday season when you're cooking or you're decorating, you just like putting on a, a selection of, of TV movies or, or Christmas movies, TV episodes, the, the Christmas themed ones. If you're somebody like that, put this in the rotation. It's it's not that bad. It, it's not too long. Um, and, you know, it's at 66 minutes. That's that's well worth its time on your on your television during the Christmas season. But uh going from one TV movie for Chris, about Christmas to another TV movie about Christmas. Uh 11 years ago on December 4th, 2010, a very schoolgirls holiday special premiered on Nickelodeon. Uh a a holiday movie about the schoolgirls, a um a, a music group that Nickelodeon I, I were, were trying to get behind, or at least Nick Cannon were, was behind them, so therefore, you know, they get extra stuff going on, probably on Teen Nick or whatnot. 13 years ago, on November 28th, 2008, The Penguins of Madagascar premiered on Nickelodeon. Uh, Nickelodeon and DreamWorks reached a deal in which they were going to co-produce a couple of television shows with one another, the first of which were the Penguins of Madagascar. Kind of the, the obvious choice. When when you look, if you had to create a spin-off of a popular side character, you, you couldn't get more popular than the Penguins from the Madagascar film series. And and probably second to them, I would say, would be King Julian, who they would end up putting in this show as well. It's an actual it's a pretty funny situation that, that we find ourselves here in. Um now it, it's it's an alternate universe in which uh king julian and maurice uh and mort the three main lemurs from the first madagascar movie on the island of madagascar have been collected and found find themselves now in the new york zoo so the entire show takes place back in the new york zoo uh i it's really one of the it's a show that's like all you need to know are the characters. You don't like as far as any of the situations that may have happened during the Madagascar movies. They're not really needed to watch this show because it goes in its own direction. It really doesn't. The continuity just gets thrown out the window. So and they and they use it to their fullest extent. And I got to say the the guy who replaces Sasha Baron Cohen as King Julian, uh, Danny Jacobs does an absolutely fantastic job. Maybe not at first, but I got to say that over time, he really like fit perfectly as just King Julian. He just melded into the role himself going on to then having a, a King Julian spinoff show, all hail King Julian. Now DreamWorks and Nickelodeon had a, a fairly successful run with a Kung Fu Panda TV series, a Monsters vs. Aliens TV series. But then, you know, more of the DreamWorks television shows started appearing on other channels. Their exclusive deal with Nickelodeon ended, which led to them working with Cartoon Network, and then eventually Netflix, which I think they've just been ever since. I don't know if any other DreamWorks shows have debuted outside of Netflix. I, I really don't think so. Uh, but The Penguins of Madagascar, I from every episode I've ever watched... They, they had a lot of fun with 
the characters and the writing. You can tell that the voice actors were having a fun time recording this show and th- their fun is is felt through watching this and it, it makes all of the comedy even better because you just know the people writing and working on this show are having a great time. It's it's tough to explain. You can there's sometimes there's some comedy that just even if the writing is good, if it's just the heart isn't there, it's delivered poorly and then the jokes just don't hit. And you can tell that, yeah, these are funny jokes, but you, you can all think of a show that kind of fits that bill that if the right cast had that script, it would just work 10 times better. But everything works here in the Penguins of Madagascar. Absolutely well worth a watch. Uh, and I, I don't think it overstays its welcome a- at all. The show ran for three seasons of 149 episodes. Uh, it's Now, to give credit where credit's due here, the characters of this show are uh, created by Tom McGrath and Eric Darnell, uh, although this show was developed by Mark McCorkle and Bob Schooley. Now, I did mess up the order of the shows here. I'm, I'm sure that's completely okay. Uh, but 12 years ago, on November 28th, 2009, Big Time Rush premiered on Nickelodeon. Created by Scott Fellows, the show ran for four seasons of 74 episodes. Uh, It's one of Nickelodeon's most successful live-action shows beyond its success just on the television because Big Time Rush is not just a show, it's also the name of the lead band of the show, a boy band. Big Time Rush, outside of the show, would uh, tour the United States pretty successfully and are even currently in the midst of releasing new music, and I believe they're going to be touring again fairly soon. So uh, that's where the success for me has to go beyond just there being a successful show. It's one thing to have a successful show, but then to be able to you know sell out or at, you know do decently in sales as a outside act brings in a lot more revenue. Um, and I actually have seen Big Time Rush live. Uh, once at Six Flags New England, where um, it was funny because one of the opening acts before them was LMFAO, and it was right before their their big hits started coming out. So watching them live and then seeing Big Time Rush, and then you know maybe like six months later when their their massive hits started coming out, and then like looking back, going, "Wow, they they opened for Big Time Rush. That was crazy." Uh, but Big Time Rush, absolutely great band, wonderful show. I I didn't watch as much as all the other live-action Nickelodeon shows. But they do have an episode of of the show that I absolutely love that also includes Tom Kenny as Patchy the Pirate. Season 2's episode, Big Time Beach Party. Check that episode out. I uh, absolutely love it. Um... It, it, and it and it's I think canon within the Nickelodeon world that that exists that uh, one day we'll have to we'll have to actually explore. But before that, let's get to this one, because 17 years ago on November 29th, 2004, Family Face Off uh, Hollywood Edition premiered on Nick at Night, another competition show uh, with families duking it out. Um, can you? <laughs> Can you imagine if there was actually like an Ultimate Fighter Families Edition? It was like Spike TV or uh, yeah, no Paramount Network now. T 
teamed up with Nickelodeon to produce it. Oh, see, look, synergy. They're all in the same boat. You know, just get a, get a family of fighters against another family. Oh, the moms versus the moms, the dads versus the dads, the the siblings, tag team action. But th that's not what happened here. Uh, th this game has six families made up of four family members competing against each other in a race around Southern California, from studio backlots to sun-drenched beaches through the states of Beverly Hills in a series of outrageous challenges that will test their physical and mental limits. Most importantly, they will need to work together to avoid being the one family eliminated at the end of each episode. Okay, that's pretty cool. Probably like, yeah, like the like a race. I wish it was like through the entire state, sending an entire family of four. But I, I guess it goes through a lot of movie backlot challenges and whatnot, which is uh just pretty cool. Twenty two years ago, on November twenty eighth, nineteen ninety nine, Little Bill premiered on Nickelodeon. Um. Yeah, I'm not telling you who created that show. You can look it up yourself. I don't care. Um, but yeah, Little Bill, it, it, the show was totally fine. It, it It's, you know, honestly, it's the first thing I can think of is that it's just a better version of Caillou. I, I think it's just a better representation of just a young preschooler who's not overtly whiny. I, at least I don't remember Little Bill being overtly whiny, but... Um, yeah, set in Philadelphia, the show centers on Little Bill Glover as he explores everyday life through his imagination. Little Bill lives with his parents, his great-grandmother Alice, a.k.a. Alice the Great, his older sister April, and brother Bobby. At the end of every show, he breaks the fourth wall by summarizing his day to the audience before going to bed. It's an adorable show. Um, But, uh, yeah, that's uh, keep, keep everything within the show here. That's uh, That's all we're worrying about. But now we're going beyond the '90s here. We're we're going we're going back to the to the '80s, because as far as I can find now, there's no there's so much wrong and right evidence about you know, there's actually no right evidence because there's no source material on some of these start dates or end dates. Some of these older shows, I just don't know if people. Have, I know that the information is out there as far as air dates, but. I don't know how public it is, is what I'm saying. But uh, there was at least one place that was claiming that on November 28th, 1987, the show Kids' Rights ended its run on Nickelodeon. Now, according to Nickopedia, she would hope would be the, the right source or get this stuff right, Kids' Rights ended its run within two years, all the way in 1983, so... Um, when it comes to shows like this where they're, you know, maybe just the more concrete evidence, I'd have to look up a, a lot more, which, trust me, will will be taken care of in, in the future um, of this show in particular. But um, I like to at least, if, if I'm going to name drop something, bring it up, regardless on if it's supposed to be here or not. Hey, I, I, yeah, I want to at least acknowledge things when I can. Kids' Rights was created by Jim Mayers and was a cast um, of kids that would, in front of a live audience, uh, kind of like Whose Line Is It Anyway would, you know, uh, reenact short stories 
from mail that like kids would write in. So kids would write in skits or stories and then a cast of kids would perform them on stage in front of a, a cast. Uh, so now, according to Nickipedia, there was only 17 episodes. So to me, 17 episodes makes more sense airing between two years than um, airing between six. So regardless, maybe it's just supposed to be 1983 and it's only uh, November 28th, 1983 or 27th, 1983. Either way, kids rights. Uh, I like the concept. I like the idea. But also, I mean, how how honest are they being? Who knows how many of those skits were actually from somebody who, who wrote in. And you don't. But you know what we do know? That 44 years ago, on December 1st, 1977, Nickelodeon was born. Now, not as Nickelodeon. That didn't happen until April 1st, 1979, 42 years ago, where then it was it was rebranded as Nickelodeon. But this originally started out as Cube's C3 channel. And we we could make an entire channel going an entire channel. We could make an entire episode going back into the history of of Nickelodeon and 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 going and explaining how television was was done at the time for those who have lived in a digital world. Now the channel was first tested as a part of Cube. Uh, Cube Q U B E was launched. 43 years ago on December 1st, 1977, and was launched in Columbus, Ohio, and was an experimental two-way multi-programmed cable television system that played a significant role in American interactive television, uh, a way to bring pay-per-view programs and special interest cable networks to, to people's homes. One of those special interest networks was uh, was Nickelodeon. Now, at the time, it was the C3 channel. Uh, Cube's C3 aired Pinwheel, which also uh, happens to have its birthday this week, 44 years ago. Um, but for, yeah, for those, Pin Pinwheel was like a very early Sesame Street-esque show. Not as many puppets, but just in the sense of just moving from segment to segment. To kind of keep you know children's short attention you know attention spans in order and to keep them keep them glued to the television with new and and different you know art styles and animation styles and whatnot but very early stuff, um. So yeah, they they aired Pinwheel with Cube subscribers, and eventually Nickelodeon was then moved out across the nation slowly but surely here here i found um i i just accidentally came across this and i just thought it was worth a, a read here um but this this article for the toledo blade came out on december 20th 1979 and it highlighted that uh if you were a cable system subscriber that they were going to be broadcasting nickelodeon so i'm going to read you the the article here uh, it, it's it's fairly quick, but it's just you know a nice like you know time capsule into into a forgotten era. Um, but in it, this is where it started. This article is written by Norman Dresser of the uh, he was a Blade Entertainment editor. Uh, in a major expansion of Cablevision services, the cable system on Christmas Day will begin broadcasting Nickelodeon a children's entertainment channel offering programming 10 to 11 hours daily. 
The new service is delivered to the cable system via space satellite from Warner Communications, an arm of one of the nation's largest entertainment conglomerates. It will broadcast on the cable system without commercials. Nickelodeon will be carried on cable systems Channel 5 throughout Toledo, Perrysburg, and Rossford, according to John Carl, president of Buckeye Cable Cablevision, operators of the cable system. Uh, on the old 12-channel system, which, all right, we'll, get three, we'll skip that stuff. Nickelodeon service on weekdays will be from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. On weekends, the children's programming will be from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Among the chief contributors to the programming concept of Nickelodeon is Vivian Horner, former director of research for the electric company at the Children's Television Workshop. She is an authority on children's education and language learning. In all, some six programs will be telecast daily, ranging in length from a half hour to five hours. They are designed to be part entertainment, part educational. Opening the daily programming at 10 a.m., 9 on weekends, will be Pinwheel, a special show geared to the interests and short attention span of preschoolers. Among the other shows are, by the way, from the for the 7 to 12 age group, which combines animation and live action. Children's Classics, which comes from the British Broadcasting Corporation, and America Goes Bananas, a teen variety show which blends informative segments on current teenage interests and a talent showcase for young artists. A unique show called Video Comic Books invites young viewers to read along with the narration, with one segment requiring the youngsters to read the dialogue themselves. Nickel Flicks, a half-hour show, is a salute to the movie serials of the 1930s and 1940s which such with such stars as Buster Crabb, Tom Mix, John Wayne, and Gene Autry. Nickelodeon is the cable system's first major service delivered via satellite, it doubtless, it doubtless is the forerunner of many innovations which are trans transforming this rapidly developing electronic medium. Norman Dresser messed up there at the end. That was not me. It literally says, it doubtless is the forerunner of, it's doubtless. It is doubtless to be the forerunner. Yeah, that's what I would say. Anyway, so the, yeah, that was um, that was like a look a look into the past there. As you can see, the, the channel wasn't 24 hours. Once it shut off at 8 p.m., that was it. You're done. Sorry. End of discussion. Go to bed. Now, there was a few channels that, that would, you know, stay a bit later. But um, can you can you just imagine not only having, like, single-digit amount of channels, but then 90% of them going off at, like, 9 or 10 p.m.? That's crazy to think about. Uh, but yeah, Nickelodeon didn't have, you know, they didn't have a lot of programming, but they, they made it work and over time and eventually they would grow into live action shows and animation and um, films and in theaters. And uh, there's still a massive deal in today's culture. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love Nickelodeon absolutely dearly. So uh, happy birthday, Nickelodeon. Happy birthday, Pinwheel. And this has been This Week in Nickelodeon History. Thank you for listening along. Thank you for being a part of my week and making me a part of yours. Uh, I, I appreciate all of the love. And if you uh, enjoy any of the uh, stuff I put out, any of the podcasts, video, audio, or otherwise, and there is any way that you see fit as to helping out, liking any of those videos, subscribing, sharing any of the links, all of that is much appreciated. So I will see you here next week. Thank you for being a part of This Week in Nickelodeon History. 
Stay safe out there. Till next time. On the Lord hut, hear a hut, Nick. On the Lord hut, hear a hut, Nick, Nick. On the rickety-dicky-low, while living number one, Nickelodeon.